Welcome to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. And I want you to be able to tell whose pants are on fire, make better decisions, and build your bottom line as well. Get ready. Let's dive in. It's Tracy back with another episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups with super producer Alex. Hey, Tracy. Thanks for having me. I'm How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. How are you? I'm awesome. Yeah. How's your hair today? Uh, it's good. You know why? It's because I'm going uh, wedding dress shopping with my sister-in-law. Wedding dress shopping. Mm-hmm. So do you have to be drunk mandatory for that or do they get you drunk in the process? They supply the booze. I'm ready. <laughs> I because am ready. they know there is money to be spent on yeah. wedding things that will yeah. cost way too much. So we want to get you good and drunk and lubricate your spending. Exactly. Exactly. And you know who else um, uh, was trying to lubricate some spending? Or I Not even trying to, but ended up. I can't wait to hear how you lubricating this thought. Some spending is my as our guest today, Jerome. Jerome Maine. Jerome, the spending lubricant. What did he do? He. Uh, this the is F- the guy that. Wait, so wait a minute. He was the mortgage broker, right? Mortgage broker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And um, the FBI called him one day and said they were coming to take him into custody, but they wouldn't tell him why. And he figured out that uh, he was part of a money laundering scheme and he did not know it. How would you not know? He had like a like an inkling about it, but he didn't officially know. And he was working on some low income loans. And anyway, yeah, ended up in prison. So this was back before the 2008 crash. And, you know no dot mm-hmm. loans, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but wait a minute, let's back up just for a second. Since when does the FBI call you to tell you they're going to come arrest what, you? Isn't that courteous? I don't know. That's really nice of them. I mean, give you a chance to I change your they underwear were so and, nice. you know, yeah. put your wallet somewhere safe, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Take but he, he's, he's going to tell us all about it and what happened. Huh. Okay. Well, I can't wait to hear this. And this is Jerome. Jerome. Yeah. Let's go to and Jerome. Mon- let's do that. Let's hear yeah. him now. Okay. We'll see you on the other side. Jerome, thank you so much for coming on Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. It's been a long time since, um, I feel like I've waited for this for a long time. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I I read your book, I, um, it, The uh, Diary of a White Collar Criminal. I feel like I know you because I, it, is, it is a truly a diary and uh, just entries just like you would in a in a personal diary. So I feel like I'm like, have this like connection <laughs> with you. <laughs> well, I wanted it to be intimate and, and really give somebody an idea of, you know, an average guy who winds up uh, in situations where they just don't make the right decisions. Average guy, like not a Bernie Madoff type, you know, that was what I wanted to make sure that that book told. Well, I, I think it did. So let's let's talk about this because you are a regular guy and you look like a regular guy. I mean, in, in for for those just listening on the on the podcast, you got a regular shirt on. Looks like you could go to a picnic and <laughs> not, not that that has anything to do with what criminals or not do. But <laughs> that's how you some look. People think, some people think a criminal looks a certain way. And that's pretty important that they know that it doesn't mean you, you could look great. Yeah, <laughs> but totally. You, You'd still and be breaking the law. Now, now you weren't into 
uh, trying to bilk people, but you, you got into a really interesting niche in the mortgage industry, which I think you would put it better than me, but I'm going to try in, in, is it low income uh, loans or what would you call it? So, well, when I, when I started in the mortgage business, I mean, I, I started at a couple different places, countrywide in Pasadena, and then wound up at Norwest Mortgage, is now Wells Fargo, in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And my idea was I would, I would learn one of their uh, low-income programs because nobody else wanted to do those. And I wanted to stand out and do a good job there and then get the big business. Mm-hmm. And after a year, that really worked and because the low-income loans... Uh, Loans that were designed for depressed neighborhoods in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really low income, but geographically, demographically, rather, that's why people would get them. So when I started, I was a specialist in that area, then kind of got out of it because it didn't pay very well. Yeah, got into yeah. the normal bigger loans like normal loan officers want. And but then I was contacted by a guy who was a real estate investor and his name was Milt. And milt. milt. Yeah, Milt. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Talk about Milt. All right. Well, it was exciting to meet Milt because I had never worked with a real estate investor mm-hmm. before. And I thought it was really cool. Milt was basically flipping houses, which wasn't you know, illegal. Um, but he did want to use me because I knew about these depressed neighborhood type mm-hmm. loans. And I thought, okay, well, I don't really want to do those loans because they don't really pay very well, but I'll work with them because, hey, he's a real estate investor. (laughs) Oh, he sounds cool. Yes. So we got to know each other. And then he started, uh, he sent me his- But wait a minute, but you never met him in person. Is that true? No, I didn't. Um, I didn't. That wasn't weird to me at first Mm -hmm. because as far as other people who would refer loans to me, like real estate agents- I didn't meet them them maybe for a while, but eventually I would after they referred one or two more loans. But yeah, we didn't meet right away. That wasn't weird, but it got weird pretty quick. Um, The the transaction, the very first transaction was kind of weird because uh, he sent me his first customer. We sat down to do the loan application. We got to the employment section and the guy looked at just stared at me when I asked him where he worked and uh-huh. didn't know and that's where you go okay red flags should have gone up a lot higher than yeah they yeah uh, but I'd been in weird applications before and at some point I figured well you know what this is gonna be one of those transactions that probably doesn't go anywhere uh-huh. but he didn't know how much he made either which wasn't shocking since he didn't know where he worked <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I, <laughs> Okay, I, <laughs> I just I don't got, get how, because Milt sent this guy in, clearly, yeah, right? Yeah. And and so, did where did this guy come from? I mean, he didn't, he wasn't, if he was acting, he wasn't even prepped for the job, like, in any way. Right, right. I mean, nobody told him how to lie. Um, but I think he thought I was in on something, and I had no reason to believe there was anything weird. Uh-huh. Um Oh, the, I guess the, this is important because later on what my indictment was about when I was talking to this guy, he said he thought he made nine, which I assumed meant $9 an hour. So I figured Uh out his monthly income and I called Milt after the guy left. And I said, first of all, this guy was weird. Second of all, uh, he doesn't make enough. If he makes nine bucks an hour, he isn't going to qualify. He needs to make closer to like 
I don't know, 1375 an hour, which is what I told Milt. Uh-huh. Well, the next day I get pay stubs and W2s for this guy I met with and he makes 1375 an hour. Oh, <laughs> so there it is, right? There's my uh-huh. chance. There's my opportunity to make a decision that wound up impacting the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Because I looked at these documents and I just justified, not because I was promised any money or anything like that. I just said, well, I mean, am I supposed to verify everything? <laughs> you uh-huh. know? Um, and then I also thought, well, I mean, if this was fraud, wouldn't Milt have said, hey, Jerome, here are the fake ones and we're going to commit fraud now and we'll, we'll pay you. <laughs> you know, in my head, I was justifying this saying, if this was fraud, wouldn't he have said that? So I just turned him in, whatever. Uh-huh. If it's not going to get approved, it won't get approved. Wow. So, okay. Okay. So, so this kind of keeps happening, doesn't it? Cause he, cause he sends these guys in and you're getting closer and closer to, to milt right and it's like how does this really unravel like what what happens well i started feeling weird after like the third borrower the third referral that he Uh sent to me and i I was uncomfortable enough that i decided i didn't really want to work with him anymore these loans weren't paying anything uh and i thought you know what i'm I'm gonna finish up what i have in the pipeline and then i'll be done Uh um there was one time after that first borrower, one of his associates, one of Milt's associates, um, met me, met, just showed up at, at a bar where me and my friends were just hanging out. I must have told Milt that I was going to be out and about. We didn't have a meeting or anything. Uh-huh. But this guy comes in, has a beer with me and my friends. And then when he gets up to leave, he slides $100 into the middle of the table and says, hey, Jerome, good job on that loan. And I was like, oh, my gosh, is this a payoff? Or Because I was feeling weird about this anyway. Uh-huh. So here's 100 bucks while we just paid the bar tab. So, I mean, there's there's the money. There's the payoff. Uh-huh. And, it, and, it, and I, I kept justifying saying, well, he didn't say it was a payoff. And, you know, uh-huh. so a couple of things like that. Another time it was 500 bucks that showed up uh-huh. at my doorstep. And I called Milt and I said, what's this about? He said, I don't know. So I was just putting this together. And then that's when I decided I didn't want to work with him anymore. I figured he was kind of an idiot. And yeah. I figured I could do what he does, but I'm not an idiot. And my thought was he is falsifying documents so that his buyers get approved. And I couldn't figure out why he would do that because it wasn't illegal to buy low and sell high. Now, did and- you ever figure it out? Well, I wound up doing it. I wound up uh, just going on my own. uh, And after I felt really weird and my boss confronted me, I wound up thinking, well, I better quit my job or I might get fired. Uh (laughs) You know, that was my big, you know, worry about the consequence there. Uh Uh, I went forward and over the next four years, I started my own real estate investment company where I bought and sold houses just like him. Uh I just didn't falsify documents and Uh the buyers got approved. Then I started my own mortgage company in the middle of 1998. So Mm -hmm. I I stopped working with Milt in 94. Mm -hmm. So in the middle of 1998, um, my life was going great. My both companies were doing well and it was all on the up and up. And then the FBI called and said, Hey, um, we're going to be taking you into custody today. Oh, they called you and told you that. 
Yep. They said, we're going to, yeah. And I said, well, for what? And they said, well, we'll tell you when we get there, where are you? I told them they came, they said, you're being arrested for conspiracy to commit mail fraud, wire fraud, and money laundering. Oh, I just said, when did I do that? Uh And they said, well, we'll tell you when we get downtown. Oh, no. (laughs) So we went downtown. They said, yeah, this is about your buddy Milt, remember? And I was relieved. I thought, shocking. You finally caught the bad guy. I knew Milt was a bad guy, not realizing Uh that they think I'm the bad guy. Oh. And I didn't think I was. Uh But so I had, there were five people indicted. It was a conspiracy. There was four people that Milt worked with. And then there was me. Um, and I kept thinking, I didn't do this. This isn't my crime. This is, I'm not making money. I never really made money at it uh-huh. uh, until I realized coming down to the wire. Um, I mean, th- there's more to it, but they proved the feds kind of had me on something where uh, I wound up buying a house and selling it and Milt provided the buyer. Now that, that was right before I stopped working with them. Uh-huh. And in order to get my, my 10,000 out of uh-huh. the sale of this property, he said, we'll give you 5,000 cash. And then we'll, you just, we'll get two cashiers checks made out to two friends of yours. And then you can just cash those. And I thought that's insane, but yeah. I, I should get my money. It's my house. Uh-huh. He just provided the buyer and I figured he was probably, you know, uh-huh. the buyers were probably had a lot of fake stuff, but I was just going, I'm not going to look. So during my pre-trial, a bunch of people pled guilty and cooperated. So it was down to just me and Milt. And I finally said, well, I committed the crime after my attorney said, hey, the government produced these two cashier's checks that were made out to two friends of yours. And so you got the money from that. That's money laundering. And that can be up to seven years. Uh, okay. So I'm still trying to get how this came together. So, so you sold a house to one of Milt's buddies. No, no. I, I bought a house and I needed a buyer because I wanted to do what Milt was doing, but okay. I didn't want to involve Milt. Right. But I couldn't find a buyer. Oh. And so I was starting to freak out like I, I need a buyer. Because a mortgage was due. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll call it that. It's, uh-huh. it's really weird about how it worked. But yeah, that was basically it. Uh-huh. So I needed to sell it after about a month and a half. So my my big bad move, the straw that broke the camel's back, it, you know, found out later uh-huh. in the indictment. I called Milt because I knew he had buyers and all I wanted to do was sell the house. And I figured, uh-huh. well. I'm not doing anything illegal buying and selling. Uh-huh. Well, now that we got Milt involved, he provided the buyer. There was a, there was a middleman, basically. I had uh-huh. to sell it for 26000 to this person so that they could sell it for the higher price, the $45,000, uh-huh. to Milt's person that I helped get a mortgage for. Oh, okay. So in order for me to get half of my, the half of my profit mm-hmm. of, you know, about twenty. Milt said, here, you, you, we can't give you 10,000 because, you know, tax purposes. Uh-huh. Uh, and so he said, we'll give you five and then just give me two k- names of two of your friends. We'll get cashier's checks made out to them for 2,500 each. And then you can cash it. And there's your other half of your 10,000. And so doodly do <laughs> four years later, um, I was still saying during the pretrial, I didn't do this. This wasn't my crime. I wasn't uh-huh. involved. 
And then they showed the feds showed these cashiers checks for uh-huh. 2,500 each to two friends of mine. And that's money laundering. Uh-huh. And I didn't, I, I didn't think of it that way. It didn't matter, but it, it got to the reality that if they're going to offer me a deal to plead guilty to mail and wire fraud, that's maybe only three years. Uh-huh. I'm certainly not. Well, I don't have the money to go to trial and right. then lose for sure lose on money laundering. Uh-huh. And it was a tough decision because I had two kids at the time. Yeah. And they were like three and five years old. And I thought, well, seven years or three years. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, my gosh. So then what was Milt really doing? Did you ever get to the bottom of like, what was his jam? He was he was buying and selling houses. For some reason, he couldn't find qualified buyers to make his profit between what he bought it for and what he sold it for. Uh So he was he was uh, sending me these buyers that didn't really qualify. Uh And so he was falsifying documentation that the these borrowers submitted to get approved for the loan. And so once I got indicted, I got all these loans, you know, files sent to my attorney and I sat and went through them and I realized, oh my gosh, this guy, number one, put the same name for his landlord as the employer for somebody else in loan number four. And so I started looking at all this and going, holy cow, I I figured there was something wrong with it. I mean, Uh I wasn't an idiot, but I didn't want to check into it. But now when I had all these loans, I started looking through it and going, wow, there was a lot in here. So Milt would pay these people $5,000 in order to be the buyer and he would help them get approved. They would get 5,000. They would never move in or pay the mortgage. Uh And then that loan foreclosed. So that's where the loss came in. So the losses, the total losses over these six loans that that, that I was involved in was 220,000. Well, that's the thing. It's only, okay, so for one, it's only six loans. But then if when if the loan forecloses, what's the like I'm trying to figure out what's the point of doing this whole thing if you're milt. There's something right. else going on. What what is going on? Do you know? That was it. That was it. He, he was just a one, you know, he was just going to do one at a time and then move on. And I found out he had been doing that before he met uh-huh. me. Uh-huh. So, and, and when I was, that's kind of one of the kind of, I don't know, I don't know if you want to say funny parts, but, but I told my attorney that this wasn't my, my plan. This wasn't my scheme. You didn't mastermind it, right? Because I told my attorney, look, had I been involved, uh-huh. we would, we would have, made a few payments on these loans and you know and he says oh you maybe you wouldn't have got caught and I go maybe not he said well here's the thing Jerome if I tell the prosecutor you would have done a better job (laughs) he said that's not a good defense oh my gosh so 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 we never really know what Milt was really doing like is how how did he make any money off it I don't get it okay so if he if he buys a house for twenty five thousand uh-huh and then he sends me somebody to get a proof for a loan to buy the house from him for 50000 And that person gets the loan to buy it. Then, then. Oh, he, I see. He's got to pay Milt 50000 to buy the house. Right. So Milt paid 25000 So Milt makes that twenty five in between. Right. And then it does. And then it forecloses and Milt doesn't care anymore. No, no. Oh, wow. And, and that, I mean, 
And that was the thing I really wish I would have known, uh-huh. but I would have known it had I made the decision at that first loan, mm-hmm. when I saw that first, what I figured was a fake pay stub, it would have been so easy. Uh-huh. All I would have had to do was to ask my manager, hey man, isn't this weird? I mean, uh-huh. that, that would have been it. And then we would have, he would have helped me from there. Uh-huh. But I just figured, ah, not my job. And the weird part is, Milton never, he never said, hey, if you don't say anything, I'll pay you. And, you know, that was in retrospect, I thought, man, that's what I want. And to be honest with you, now that, I mean, I've been speaking now for 20 years to groups and the mortgage business and CPAs. And the lesson is you don't have to be involved. You don't have to be like, the guy. Uh-huh. You, you don't even have to be successful. All of Milt's loans could have never closed. They could have never, he, he could have never made money, but there was a plan to commit fraud and he happened to make some money at it. Uh-huh. But there are a lot of people who will say, wow, are you kidding me? The to- On this whole indictment, this whole conspiracy, <laughs> there was only 220,000. Uh-huh. And the answer is yes, because you hear somebody went to prison for white collar crime. It was, you know, seven million, million. And the the good lesson for people when I'm I'm speaking to a group is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much, you know, committing fraud, making those decisions to do something that, you know, isn't right. That's all you need to do. You know, you don't have to be the one to plan it. And. And I get a lot of feedback from people um, after <laughs> afterwards, uh-huh. and it's kind of funny. They're like, "So, so what did you do?" Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't think I did anything until I found out really what 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 the crime was. Uh-huh. And wow. I was involved. I did mm-hmm. it. Had uh-huh. I not been involved, those foreclosures wouldn't have happened. Uh-huh. The lender would not have lost money. Because there weren't any buyers or you know, none of the public that lost money. And they'll, people will tell me that. Well, you didn't really hurt anybody. Well, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a person or a company. They experience losses. That's, that's not okay. Right, right. It's not cool. And it doesn't matter that I, you know, I mean, I made money because I made the $100, we'll say. I made the 500 And then I got my 10000 for the house I bought and sold. Sure, yeah. So I did make money, um, but it wasn't, I didn't need that money. Right. I, it, it was a situation where, and I didn't, well, I knew I was going to make the 10,000. That was my plan. I, uh-huh. I figured I invest in a property. I sell it. I should make a profit. Um, but a lot of times people will talk about, you know, about the fraud triangle and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And the, I speak for some ACFEs and yeah, yeah. I spoke for ACFE the other day. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, well, so now how do you fit into the fraud triangle? And, and I, I said, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think I do. I mean, I didn't, I didn't need the money. Uh, I didn't see an opportunity and then took it, mm-hmm. you know, because it didn't matter to me. Right. I didn't care. I made a decision that made it happen, uh-huh. but, but it wasn't for me. It wasn't. And then I, I, I do get some feedback and they'll say, well, well, you made money on commissions on those loans. Yes, I did. And, uh-huh. and I can tell you, I don't know a loan officer out there that would have been doing these loans so they could make money doing it because uh-huh. they were 
so low. I mean, it, it, they were so small and they were community home programs. So that commission is really capped off, very limited. Uh-huh. And with MILT, I mean, they were very labor intensive. It was, I mean, I would much rather have not worked with MILT on a tiny little loan, especially if I didn't know I was going to be making money on it. Yeah, yeah. Now, didn't you meet, because uh, didn't like some guy, there was a wedding or what What was the yeah. deal where like you kind of bumped into him and he, or he was supposed to show up and it might've been him or something along, I, like, like that? I don't even remember that. The, mm-hmm. the feds were asking me after, you know, during the pre-trial, uh-huh. didn't go to a wedding. And I was looking back through my, you know, my Franklin Covey yeah. <laughs> looking to see, did I go to a wedding? Uh-huh. Um, and I do remember him saying, uh, Hey, my friend is going to get married. Um, and I'll meet you there. I don't recall going. It's possible. I did, uh-huh. uh, but I don't remember going. I know I never met him uh-huh. I mean, because when I saw him after I got indicted, went down to the courtroom or courthouse, you know, mugshot, fingerprinted in front of the United States federal magistrate. And they're looking down at me. They're saying, you know, how do you plead to the fraud charges? And I said, not guilty. I went and sat down. They called another guy up. They asked him the same question and he said, not guilty. And that's when I recognized the voice of Milk. Oh. And so I, I didn't know his name wasn't Milt. <laughs> uh-huh. It was it was something else altogether. Now, wow. I was thinking about this, you know, before we talked and that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, I mean, you have a lot of uh, background and skill in, in detecting people De- who are not. Deception, them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And and it took me a long time to admit, like maybe for years and years uh-huh. after I went to prison um, that Milt was a con man and probably pretty good at it. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm sure there are vocal cues, but I talked to Milt all the time on the phone uh-huh. and it was weird because as we got to know each other, it was weird because he liked everything I liked. Oh, Every time I would, so it was weird. And I didn't put that together. Uh-huh. And and I don't want to say, oh, he was a con man. And that's why I was involved in his crime, because I don't want to think I'm stupid. Uh-huh. You know, right. I remember years and years there. It's like, I, well, no, he didn't beat me at my game. What I have found, uh-huh. and maybe you know this stuff. Okay. But con men, they're really, they can be really good. Oh, yeah. They will beat you at your game and they don't care about your family. Mm-hmm. And they will get you to do what they want you to do uh some of them they're they're that good oh yeah and i i didn't and i don't know that from like research or i don't have a background like you do but when i came to that realization maybe 10 15 years ago Uh i thought wow con men can be really good and i think i'm a good actor and i think i could fly everybody probably thinks they can Uh but wow that guy was good. Well, there's there's a couple things that could be going on. Probably because because I think about um, like a narcissist will say anything in order to make themselves look like the good guy. That's their that's their trait there. But then yeah. but then you get into like sociopath and they actually don't care about you 
at all. They don't care about consequences, nothing. And so here's the thing. There's a lot of folks that are uh, sociopaths that are super high functioning. And so he, he may be in that category. It's, it's, yeah. I'd say it's probably likely because they they just do not have remorse about yeah any anything that they do anything. I wonder if I wonder. I mean, isn't it possible that he he didn't think anything would happen? Well, it's not that he didn't think anything would happen. Um, right. He, he. It's that. Um, why is this thing want to cut me off? We might have to be a little shorter than I wanted. Um, it's that uh, he may not have cared. Yeah, probably didn't care. Right. Um, but I, again, I didn't want to, I didn't want to admit that. And, and here's the thing. <laughs> I didn't think I was involved uh-huh. until I was in my pretrial and they proved it. <laughs> uh-huh. And then I thought, oh, yep, I yeah. did it. And, and didn't want to think, oh, I shouldn't go to prison. I did come to that realization where, uh-huh. no, I, I committed fraud. I did it. And I'm not, I don't make excuses. I didn't do it because I was just tricked uh-huh. or may, maybe I was, maybe I wasn't, but I still did it. Yeah, there were some I'm decisions the, that went wrong in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's, uh, I've, I've talked to some other, or I've, yeah, I guess I've talked to some other people that uh-huh. have a similar background who are, who are speakers and I've, I've heard some of them. I've been on panels with some of them and uh-huh. it's weird because they, they don't admit it and they, and they're really kind of still pretty bitter. Uh-huh. And I thought, wow, man, you got a tough road hoe because you never, you never let go. You, you know, you, I met a lot of people in prison mm-hmm. who, who were just bitter and I was set up and all that. And you get to know people after a while mm-hmm. and it's a community in there. You find people who are like you and who have similar sense of humor or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, but then you can, and so, you know, okay, I can believe this guy. He's got no reason to lie to me. He's, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but then other people you're like, I don't know, man, they're, they're really bitter. They think they were set up. And, and I came to a point when I was in there or, yeah, I was still mad that I was there, but uh-huh. you come to the realization that, well, the events that happened did happen, uh, whether I wanted them to or not, but the events that happened and the decisions I made uh-huh. constituted fraud, and here I am. And so I, I remember about halfway in, I thought, you know what? So I could be mad, but for the next year of my life, I live here. And I'm going to live my life and not think about the past or, hey, what am I going to do when I get out? I mean, it was hard to not think about that, but yeah, yeah. it was a real spiritual thing, I guess. You know. Well, a, a couple of people I've talked to have had those kind of transformations and, and they used that time away uh, from society and like to actually come out better. So like, yeah. I think it's a not everyone does that. And um, high five right. for you for doing that. So um, here's the thing. Zoom now. We're on Zoom. I guess it's not free hardly anymore because <laughs> they're going to cut us off and I can't upgrade it mid uh, mid time right. here. So let's talk about what are you doing now um, and um, and and how can people get a hold of you? Well, I um, I'm a speaker. Um, I speak on 
on um, clarity, clarity of who, who you are as a, as a person, as a, as an ethical person, mm -hmm. if we're talking about employment or, you know, the corporate, mm -hmm. who you are as a person, are you somebody who would be making good decisions? Like I thought I was, I never really explored who I was, but when I talk about clarity of who you are, that's what I'm getting at. And then there are choices. And I think choices are made by, by people that, that are probably instinctual. So if you're clear on who you are and you are a good guy, uh -huh. uh, your, your choices, your instinct is probably going to be pretty true. Uh -huh. And so I speak on the clarity of who you are, the choices that you make and the consequences. So those are my kind of, and I've got a lot of examples of consequences. I imagine so. Oh my gosh. And so um, just real quick, what, what do you think the, what was your biggest mistake in, in not, not in, in what you did, but your thought process in justification of what you did, knowing how you saw the signs, what, what um, was your, what was your underlying rationale for doing what you did? Besides I, just I, justification, like what, what, what was underneath the justification? Yeah. I think, I think I liked Milt. Uh -huh. I, I think I was impressed by Milt. Okay. I liked him and I wanted his loans to close because I wanted him to think I was smart too. Mm -hmm. And that I knew what I was doing and I was competent. So like a, like a, like almost like a prestige thing a little bit. Maybe, maybe, um, Maybe a, you know, a humility thing, uh, uh -huh. you know, if I had to try to put it into a category, maybe it was that, mm -hmm. um, maybe to impress him, mm -hmm. which in retrospect, I'm thinking why <laughs> on earth would I want to impress? Yeah. But I think that was it. Cause I really can't come up with any other reason, uh, other than that I thought he was cool. Uh -huh. and, and, and so, and, and so what's the lesson, you know, what, what does somebody take away? Um, I think what you take away is, uh, the clarity of who you are. I, yeah. I mean, I thought I was a good guy, but I never really explored that. Mm -hmm. And so there are consequences as a regular guy, mm -hmm. you don't have to map out the plans in a dark basement somewhere. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, yeah. With a hoodie. Build. You gotta have a hoodie to do fraud, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, and so it was, uh, I think it was that, I think it was, I think what people take away is that you know, you can be a regular guy. You don't have to be a Bernie Madoff to make decisions that are so bad yeah. that you can go to prison. And there's one other thing, and you might know about this. Uh -huh. Things don't look the same when you look back at them, back on them than they are when you're in oh, it. Oh, yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, you don't think if everything doesn't seem that bad because you're looking at one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. But when you look back... And I always thought I was a good guy. I still think I, I am. And I, I think I always was. I think I didn't look at it. I didn't think it through. I didn't oh. ask the right questions. You know, I didn't yeah. tell the right people. And, and I think that, well, I, I happen to know that type of thing goes on yeah. in the mortgage business. Oh, yeah. In a lot of businesses. And, and, you know, there's just not enough FBI agents, you know. It's true. It's true. So, oh, my you God. You know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're running out of time. This clock yeah. thing is, is going on. I had no idea That's this was going to happen. So um, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, my website, JeromeMain.com. 
Okay. And, and you're um, not only a nice guy, but you're funny. You're uh, you got some, a comedy background as well. Yeah. Not that fraud is funny, but you can have a good time learning about fraud. I do know that. So um, yeah. Comic relief. I mean, it's absolutely. It's like, yeah. I feed on that, you know, live audience, you get that immediate feedback. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So y'all know where to go and you need to make sure like really read Jerome's book. It is very good. It sucked me right in diary of a white collar criminal and i am so thrilled that you came on and i hope we got to have you back sometime that would be fun hey i want to say my book is on audible now i'm very proud of that because i narrated it oh cool okay all right well that would be good right yeah yeah you buy it you buy it you don't you don't i'm not a big bookseller guy so well i'm gonna tell people to buy it because i actually really enjoyed it and i don't enjoy most books i read so (laughs) having said that Jerome, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for coming on Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. Thank you. Hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate, and review it. I'll see you next time.